Give yourselves a round of applause. You got out of bed this morning. All right, all right, all right. You learn a few things when you set up and tear down every week. Like, have a backup plan all the time, right? And then use my computer's backup plan. I'll do my best to use it this morning. Um, day eight of 21 days of prayer. How about that? We are on day eight, and uh, we are just thrilled at what God is doing through our 21 days of prayer. We believe that um, to seek God is one of the most important things that we do. Uh, we do it twice a year. We don't seek God twice a year. We seek God all year. But uh, twice a year we focus on 21 days of prayer, and um, we do it in January and we do it in August. And uh, we believe that God is doing great, great things as a result of 21 days of prayer. I thought Darren did a great job when he said, are just anxious and waiting eagerly at what he's going to do as a result of our 21 days. So um, I want to invite you ne- back next Sunday uh, for uh, Pastor Tim Owens will be in the house. Pastor Tim Owens is a friend of the refuge, and he is an overseer to, uh, to myself and to our church and to the refuge. He is my authority. Look really good if you guys come back next week. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but seriously, Pastor Tim is a great friend and a great influence on my life, and uh, the best influences of my life I I hope to be able to share with you as an influence in your life because whether you know it or not, they are influencing your life because they are influencing my life. So uh, and then the following week. We've got a very special, special day when uh, Brian Harris and myself will be giving the message, and Brian Harris is uh, a part of Refuge Church, and it's going to be something that you don't want to miss. We're going to talk about about God and science and music and how they all connect and how they all help make us better worshipers, and uh, that's going to be a very special, special thing. So uh, one more housekeeping announcement for today. That is our My Refuge that we do every Sunday after church. Uh, we'll be meeting in the, the Middles classroom, not the Littles classroom. So uh, if you go to the Littles classroom, uh, then we won't be, well, actually our kids will be there because we're moving our kids after care into Littles, and you don't want to hang out with kids longer than five years. So uh, you got to, so, so the Middles classroom, if, you, if you're a part of My Refuge last week, we're in part two, which is, we call My Place, and uh, in it we discover our purpose, uh, and so that next week when we come back and, and learn how we can make an impact, um, we, uh, it, it'll be, it'll just, trust me, it's, it's a great, great time, so uh, child care and snacks are provided, so uh, we hope, hope to see you there. This week we are in week two of a series that we began last Sunday uh, called Christian-ish. This isn't a Christian-ish series. It's a Christian series, but it's about being Christian-ish. And um, this last week, I don't know about you, if you were here uh, last Sunday, if you were here uh, last Sunday, then testing, testing. There it is. There it is. All right. Uh, give Matt a hand in the back, will you? Come on, he's a good guy. Thank you so much for your patience. 
it does, and it starts at 10 a.m. chapter 3 verses 15 uh, through 22 is kind of where we're getting uh, this idea of Christianity. And uh, the book of Revelation, a lot of Christians get really excited about because it's about the end times. It's about when the world uh, comes to an end, the, the time that, that we haven't experienced yet. And so a lot of times we, we tend to, to want to study Revelation, to see what's going to happen. But there's, there's a lot of symbolism to Revelation, so it's, it can be hard sometimes to, to understand. There was a man by the name of John that God chose to reveal what would happen in the end times to. And he wrote all of it down in this book called Revelation. Chapter 1 is simply an introduction to the book. Chapter 2, he, he doesn't talk about end times, but he talks about these things that are going on in these these seven churches in this province known as Asia Minor. Now, what's really cool is Asia Minor isn't there today. We don't call it that, but it is modern-day Turkey, the country known as Turkey. And so uh, you can go back to Turkey, and you can see the ruins of these churches that once were there that no longer is, but you can see evidence of them being there, and it's really, really neat. But it's also tragic because the churches aren't there. The ruins are. And one reason why we're talking about Christianish, ladies and gentlemen, is because we want the refuge church to last for the rest of time. Come on, somebody. Like, we want the refuge church to be here for to last. And if it's going to last, then we have to make sure that we avoid the Christianish lifestyle. Okay with not living up to the standard that God gives us, 
but we have to follow the standard that he set out. And so, um, we're in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 15 through 21 to start. And then I've got um, what I think is some really good in-depth teaching uh, this morning that I think will get a little something out of. Uh, Revelation chapter uh, 3, verse 15 says this. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot or cold. Say hot. Say cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything that I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That sounds like something I want to read and tell you to tell. No one, no one wants to be any of those adjectives. Wretched. So I advise you, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. And ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. All of these things will make a difference. Hopefully if I do my job by the end of today, all three of those things will make, will, will, will stand out to you. Verse 19. I correct and discipline everyone that I love, so be diligent and turn up your indifference. Look, I stand and not at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together and be friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat on, uh, next to my father on his throne. Last week we looked at this verse and we 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 took a, a study that was done by this group called the Barna Research Group, and what they did was they called um, over twenty thousand people in cities across America, and they they asked them this this set of questions that uh, helped them de- to determine the the most post Christian cities throughout all of all of America. Portland, Auburn, Maine was found to be the number two most post-Christian city in all of America. I don't know if you knew that about Portland or not. Many people believe that the church of Laodicea that we read about this morning is to represent the, the church today. And so when we read about Laodicea, we read about a church that is post-Christian. So we looked last week at the questions that they asked on this study to determine how we're doing and if we have become post-Christian or not. We looked at things like like daily reading the Bible and, and, and serving in your church, attending church, giving to your church. Those were things that we looked at last week. But today, I want to actually look at the scripture and to look at Laodicea and what, what they were doing and then look at the solutions that God gives them. And, and, and the reason I want to do that is because I believe that if we can look at what they were doing and we can look at God's solution for them, then we can jump straight to the solution and not have the problem. Come on, somebody. So today we're going to look at the solution that he gives to Christian-ish behavior. But in order to understand this solution, 
we have to know what's really going on in Laodicea. We have to really understand why it is that they're labeled the lukewarm church. Why is they're labeled the Christianist church? Last week we said that the writer in, in, in Revelation doesn't point out which one we should be. He doesn't say you should be hot or you should be cold. All he says is you should not be lukewarm. This week as I really dove into the Laodicean church, I began to understand that in a, in a lot better way than I did before. I hope you're not looking for encouragement. So look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 17. It says this. It says, you say I am rich. I have everything that I want. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. Sounds a lot like today, right? Like, we are wealthy people. We live in America. We are wealthy people. We are so wealthy that we don't realize how poor we really are. I, 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 went, I heard a missionary one time say, you Americans have living rooms we don't live in and dining rooms we don't dine in. That's how rich we are in, in America. And, and it's, it's amazing how, how wealthy we are. If you own a car, you are very rich in the world's terms. If you own two cars, then you are extremely rich in the world's terms. In the Laodicean church, in Laodicea, was known as a very wealthy city. In fact, it was so wealthy that it is said that in 60 AD, there was an earthquake in Laodicea that destroyed the city. And, and Rome, who was like, Rome was like, was like the America of the day back then. It was, it was known to be the, the wealthy, most influential uh, empire in the world. In Laodicea, after this earthquake, Rome called them and said, hey, we want, they didn't call them this way, but they didn't call them this way. But they said, hey, we want to help you. And Laodicea said back to Rome, they said, we're wealthy enough to rebuild our own city. We don't need your money. That was the, the idea so what made them so wealthy? What made them so rich? Well, there were three primary sources of commerce in the, the city of Laodicea. The first one is they were known to be a banking center where they would do gold exchanges. They were known as a banking center that would have a gold exchange there. They were also known for this black garment. And these they were known for this, this black garment that was that was coveted throughout all the world. In fact, Rome, people in Rome would would do anything to get this black garment that was out of Laodicea. They were also known for a medical school that was in Laodicea that was known for its optometry, for its for its production of an ointment 
for the eyes. And so all these three things made up a very, very wealthy city. They were influential. They, they knew they were rich. The other thing about Laodicea that I find extremely interesting in, uh, as relates to the text today is they were also known for not having a very strong water supply. In fact, there was a city north of the city called Heropolis, and Heropolis was known for its hot springs. In fact, um, my friend Alpai that goes to church here, he's, he's from Turkey. And, and, and when he was at my house the other night, um, I was talking to him about, about, about my sermon, trying not to preach the whole thing to him. But uh, as, as we're sitting there talking, he pulls up this picture of this, of this area of Turkey that is known for its hot springs, which is where ancient day Aeropolis was. We'll, I'll show you pictures, I'll try to show you pictures later on, and I'll get him to say the name of the city that it is today, because I can't say it. But he's Turkish, so he can say it. So, so they, they were known for their hot springs. It's a beautiful picture because there's salt all around these hot springs. Um, and and, and it's, it's, un, it's wonderful hot water. And then south of the city, there is a city called Colossae. And Colossae was known for their cold springs. So north of Laodicea, you have hot springs. And south of Laodicea, you have cold springs. But Laodicea has no water. And so what Laodicea would have to do is they took these, they, they built these big structures known as aqueducts. And the aqueducts would, would be used to ship in water from these other two places. And guess what temperature the water was when it, when it arrived in Laodicea? It was lukewarm. So six miles south, they would have, they would have, cold water that would travel six miles to get there, and by the time it was there, it would be lukewarm. So when the Bible was written, it is no accident that God's word to Laodicea was that you are lukewarm. You are like the lukewarm water that you spit out of your mouth, and guess what? I will spit you out just like you spit out the water that you drink on a daily basis. God's word is perfect. It's not an accident. The Laodicean church knew what nasty water looked like. The problem can do something with hot water. You can do something with cold water. They're both useful. But lukewarm water is not useful. And the problem with living as close to the line as I can, what can I get away with? And asking the question, what can I get away with? 
doesn't make you useful. Instead of asking the question, is this wrong? Anytime we go to do something, we shouldn't ask the question, is it wrong? But we should ask the question, does it make you useful? And I want to be a church filled with Christians that are useful to God. Because there is no greater joy in my life than when I know that God has used me to do something for someone else that would impact their life for all eternity. There is no can't have it if you live a lukewarm life. You can't have it if you live just Christian enough. And the problem with the, with the church today is it's living just Christian enough. It's, it's, it's just Christian enough that it will draw people in, but it doesn't challenge them to live differently. If you're going to do it, you better do it. So the question today is, are we useful? Are we useful? Now look at verse 18. You see, the problem was, the writer says, that has been purified by fire and then you will be rich. He says, and buy white garments from me that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so that you can see. Ladies and gentlemen, it's no accident that God uses these things to get the attention of the Laodicean people. He tells them to buy the city that was known for ex- its exchange of gold. He tells them to buy white garments from him. The city that was known for its black garments. He tells them to buy ointment that will heal your eyes. The city that is known for the production of ointment that could give you your eyesight back. He tells him, get these things from me. Stop finding the value in the world in these things and find the value in me in these things. And so today I want to give you the big idea of this. Today, this is the big idea. You already, ladies and gentlemen, you already.
already possess everything that you need to passionately serve Jesus, you only have to find its value in him. You already possess everything you need to passionately follow Jesus. You only need to find its value in him. God wants these people in Laodicea to see that they are spiritually poor. That they are spiritually blind and that they are spiritually naked. But we have to find the value in the things that we already have. Laodicea already had those things that he said you have to buy from me. But they didn't get their value from Jesus. The secret to getting out of the Christianish lifestyle, ladies and gentlemen, is finding the value in Jesus. I said the Christian, the, the secret to getting out of the Christian lifestyle is finding the value in Jesus. Come on, somebody. So, what value did Jesus bring these things that these people didn't see? I want to look at the value that Jesus brought each one of these things because they're specific. And I hope that as we look at the value that we see that Jesus brought these things, we can apply it to your own life. Number one, the first thing was gold. He says, buy from me gold that has been refined by fire. Ladies and gentlemen, being refined by fire the secret. First Peter chapter one verse seven. Let me read it for you. You can you can follow along on the screen. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested by as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Ladies and gentlemen, the gold that we have that is purified by fire is the trials that we experience. The value is in the trials. But that's hard. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what trial you're facing, but I want you to know it's as valuable as gold. You might not want to hear that, because I don't like to hear that either. But the trials that you go through are as valuable as gold because they make us stronger. And God is saying to the Laodicean church, if you start to buy gold from me, you will find value in the trials that you go through. The trials that you go through, you won't want to abort because you know that you're making me stronger. You won't want to quit because you're doing something inside of you. They are bringing you closer to me. The book of James says, Kind of all you 
But we want, don't want the work. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't have it without work. We want the skinny, we want, don't want the diet. So many things in our lives that we want, but we want the easy way. God says, Christianist living will not get us through the trials of life. It won't. But being passionate about your love for Jesus will get you through anything. Because you realize that what you says is to, to buy his version of white garment. White garment. The Laodicean church was known for its black garments, but Jesus told them to buy his white garments. Ladies and gentlemen, the color white in scripture represents purity. Represents purity. Look at Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. The garments represent righteousness. White represents Righteousness only comes from Jesus. Righteousness only comes from Jesus. That's why we have to have to accept him into our lives and allow him to come into our lives to cleanse us of our sins. And that's why every day I try to confess my sins because he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all wrongdoing. It's a part of my daily life. To learn to put on white garments 
of purity and righteousness. And what does he say will happen when we put on garments that we get from him? He says, I will take away your shame. I will rid you of your shame. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, it's on the screen. It says this. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is before they ate the fruit in the garden of Eden that God told them not to eat of. They were naked and felt no shame. At that point, at that time, they were in, they were created just as God had created them without any sin. And they weren't ashamed of their nakedness. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Adam answered, I heard in the garden. This is after God said, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. Why was he afraid? Because he was naked. Because he felt shame. Verse 11 said, and, and God said, who told you you were naked? voices have you been listening to? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Ladies and gentlemen, the original, when, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, the original feeling at that sin was shame. And Jesus knows when we find our, our white garments from him, when we find righteousness in him, we will feel no more shame. I don't know what your past has brought you through, but ladies and gentlemen, in Jesus, you don't have to be ashamed of it. Because you are clothed in his righteousness. And I want you to know this morning that when God looks at you, he sees if you're clothed in righteousness or not. And it's not your righteousness that you're clothed in. It's Jesus's. Because Jesus was the only one to live a perfect, sinless, spotless life. And because he lived a life that was perfect, and because he died a death that was perfect, we can clothe ourselves with his righteousness. And when God looks at us, he sees no shame. He only sees if we put on righteousness of his son. Number three, Jesus said, put on or, or buy the versions of my ointment. Of my ointment that will heal your eyes. Look at, look at Luke chapter four, verse 18. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Ladies and gentlemen, the ointment or the oil always represents the Holy Spirit. Always. And it is the Holy Spirit that heals us. It is the Holy Spirit that makes the eyes see. It is the Holy Spirit that restores our eyesight. 
It was the Holy Spirit that lifted the scales off of the Apostle Paul's eyes. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts, that points out to us the things in our lives that we think are okay, but he opens our eyes to see that they are wrong. That, that feeling at the end of our service that we're about to get to, that feeling of, I need to do something here. Because, because I understand what, what's being said, and, and I need to change something in my life. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. The words that I say, ladies and gentlemen, that go to your heart, that make an impact in your life, I'm, it's not me. It's only the Holy Spirit that says this. The Holy Spirit does the conviction, not me. And Jesus said, when you buy the ointment, it will make you see again. When you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, when you invite the Holy Spirit's presence into your church, when you invite the Holy Spirit to fill you up, it will show you things that are not supposed to be there. It will make you see again. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my prayer that you will see this morning. That you will see of what Adam has said, but because of what the Holy Spirit has said for you. So let's review real quick. We buy gold from Jesus, and it represents the trials that we face. We buy white garments from him, and it represents the righteousness of Jesus. We buy ointment the Holy Spirit that does the conviction in our lives every single day, not just on Sundays, but as we go in. Every day we live, he convicts us. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. God still loves the Christian-ish. God still loves the lukewarm. He just wants you to be useful. Look at verse 19. He says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. He says that he still loves us. He says that he still loves us even when we're lukewarm. He just wants us to be useful. So what does he tell us to do? He says to, to be diligent about your indifferences. To turn from them. That other translations use the word repent. And the word repent has gotten a bad rap. Ladies and gentlemen, the word repent is a beautiful word. Because it's a restoration of our relationship with God. But it's a turning of our sin. 
that restores us to him. We have to turn from our sin. We have to to say, all right, God, you know what? I'm going to get back to hot or cold. I'm going to get back to, to reading your word. I'm going to get back to, to applying it to my life. I'm going to get back to going to church regularly. I'm going to get back to giving to you regularly. I'm going to get back to passionately following Jesus. I'm going to get back to telling others about your love for them. I'm going to get back to doing what's right. I'm going to stop looking at the things that I am on my phone or my computer. I'm going to stop drinking too much with my friends. And I'm going to come back to where you want me to be. I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and you and I will share, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Oftentimes, we hear this verse and it, we apply it to salvation. I believe that it still applies to salvation. But we know because of this study that it applies to the Laodicean church. That they weren't living up to the standard that God had for them, but yet that he was still knocking on their door. And he was saying their name. I don't ever watch the Big Bang Theory, but I've watched it enough times to know that Sheldon on the store, on the, on the, on the, on the show, likes to knock on the door. Penny, 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 any Big Bang Theory fans out there? Penny, Penny, God does the same thing with you. Adam, Adam, Adam. And he's doing that for some of you right now. That feeling inside of you. God saying, Adam, Adam, get in here. And Jesus says to them, if you hear my voice, he didn't say, if you hear me knocking on your heart, or if you feel me knocking on your heart. He says, if you hear my voice, you know why he says that? Because Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes the word of God. We have got to hear God's voice. And he says, if you respond, then I will come in and we will have a meal together as friends. How many of you know that there's a difference between shoving your food in your face and having a meal with a friend? You know the difference? The difference is fellowship. The difference is conversation. The difference is intimacy. And God says, 
I will come into your house and we will have a meal together. And then he said, then I will invite you to sit on my throne with me. You know, as a kid, um, I used to love to go to my grandpa here all the time. My grandpa, Grandpa Harold lived in, in Michigan, so I didn't get to, get to go there often. I lived in other parts of the country. And uh, my Grandpa Harold was a, a commercial roof, roofer. He had a roofing company. And um, the reason I like to go to his house is because he always had a den or an office. And I would love to go into my grandfather's den or his office, and I would love to sit at his chair. You know what I did when I sat in his chair? Every time, I pretended I was my grandfather. And when Jesus offers us a seat on his throne, he is telling you, you get to be like me. But you have to respond. Do me a favor, stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. But you have to respond. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never given your heart to Jesus. You've never opened it to him at all. Maybe you've given your heart to Jesus So let me ask you this morning. Do you need to let Jesus in? Is it time for you to respond to his voice? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, God loves you. Wants to rescue you this morning. But you have to recognize the need to be rescued. Is there anyone this morning in this room that would be bold enough? With the raising of a hand, that would say, I need a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Your hands are raised. Anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Say, God, I come to you, and I invite you into my heart. I invite you to have a meal with me, a lifelong meal with me, so that we could be intimate with each other. change the way I live, 
God, I put on the righteousness of Jesus. Help me to live for you. Save me from the sin of my past by the precious blood of Jesus. And help me to live for him by his resurrection. This has become my prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed for the whole time. I'm going to say a prayer for those that need to get back to the things that they have in their hands that help them to passionately live for Jesus because they have found the value in him. I'm going to say a prayer that you would find the value in the things that you have from Jesus, not the world. There are, we have our prayer team at, at the front. If there's any time in the service that you want to be prayed for, please come forward and have them pray for you. And at the end of my prayer, we're going to celebrate what God has done, and we're going to sing a song, and then we'll be done. Lord, Lord, I just thank you that you give value. I thank you that when we find value in you, we find a whole new purpose to our life. And so, Father, we come before you and we ask you to give us value in our lives. Lord, that we would begin to look at our money from your place of value. That we wouldn't look at it as a way to get rich, but we would look at it as a way to impact the kingdom of God. That we would look at it as a way of obedience to you. God, that, that we would look at our job as as not as a way to make a living, but as a way to tell others about Jesus. God, that we would look at our lives completely different and we would find the value in you, not this world. God, I pray that this word would transform our lives as we go out this week. Father, that we would live it, that we would ask ourselves, where am I investing? Am I investing in things of the world or am I investing in things of Jesus? And help us to always choose Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Give God some, give God some praise today. Come on.